I would tell you this, honestly tell you, my example is on the low end of what can really happen. Okay, so keep that in mind. If you get the right course in the right niche, you have the right expertise to teach it, you can set up an online course that can generate tremendous passive income for you. Live your faith, build your business, and change your world. This is Live, Build, Change. Welcome back to the Live, Build, Change podcast. This is where I am leading us all on a journey where we can talk about how we can live our faith more authentically, more powerfully through the strength that Jesus Christ provides, how we can build a business to create side income or full-time income to give us the kind of freedom and generosity abilities that we all really want, and how we can use that business to change the world. I really and truly believe we can do that. So that's what the Live, Build, Change podcast is all about. And I'm coming to you today to talk to you about the issue of different kinds of revenue models. You know, if you're thinking about starting a business, these may be things that you would assume you would think about later on down the road. But these are things I think you need to be thinking about ahead of time. And the reason that I think you should be thinking about it ahead of time is because the type of revenue model that you choose for the business that you're going to run will in many ways determine or dictate the type of lifestyle you have and the ability you have to pivot and take on other projects or not. And as we get into these, I think you're, you're going to see that some of these, in my mind anyway, are naturally wiser approaches than others. And so as we talk about revenue models, just keep that in mind. We're talking about these first because they address issues of lifestyle, which I think should be primarily important in your mind as you're starting out. They're also going to determine the type of income you make and how often you make it. So let's start out talking about what I see as five different types of revenue that you can get from a business. Okay, The first type is what I would call a one-time sale. So this kind of a revenue model is from any kind of product sales that you have. It's a product that has no components that are additional to it. It has nothing tangential or complementary to it. You just sell the product and that's all you sell. Okay, You might think about something like a home or a car. You know, those are one-time sales. They're things you buy. You may need to buy another one again in your lifetime, but the span of time between sales, between purchases as the purchaser, is much greater. And so those kinds of purchases tend to be bigger dollar, which makes up for that time gap. But when we're talking about us starting a part-time business or even a full-time business, most of us are not going to be in a market where we're selling something that's that high ticket like a car, like a home, you're going to be selling something quite a bit smaller. And so you need to think through, do I want to put a lot of effort and a lot of time into creating a product or a service that's just a one-time sale? Now, there are ways where that one-time sale can be leveraged into the next revenue model that I'm going to talk about. But just think of this one real simply as a product that you sell, it's purchased once, and then the transaction is over. 
There's lots of things. I mean, just go through Amazon and you can see lots of products that are that type of a one-time sale product. You know, is that the kind of business that you want to go into? You know, we have some friends who make soaps and candles and things like that, and they sell them at craft fairs and things like that. Great products. Nothing wrong with the products. In fact, they're, they're superior to a lot that are in the stores, but they're one-time sales because they do it at a craft fair. They do it at a, you know, a street fair, something like that, where they don't see the same clients over and over and over. Now, there's ways they could overcome that. Can you think of any? Can you think of some of the ways they could overcome that? You know, some of it could be in the packaging. They could list their website. Some of it could be in literature that goes with the product that includes a sign up for an email list to get updates on the product or warranties or or things like that. You see, there are ways to turn a one-time sale into a different kind of an asset for yourself, which would be a mailing list or a, a way to follow up with customers so that hopefully they would lead you into the second type of revenue model, which I'm going to talk about. And let's go ahead and go there. The second type of revenue model is what I would call repeat clients or customers. So someone who buys your product one time, but it's a product that they're going to need again. Soap may be a good example of that because everybody is going to run out of soap. So it's a, it's a replenishable product, maybe is a good way to think of it. And you will have repeat clients. Well, if you have that kind of a business model, a revenue model, you're going to have the need to build good relationships with those customers. So customer service in a situation like that comes in very high in your list of priorities because you've got to make sure you're servicing that customer so well that they not only are going to like your product and enjoy using it, but they're going to be willing to repeat the purchase down the road when they run out of that product. Now, some of that will have to do with the quality of your product or your service, if it's a service. Some of it's going to have to do with that customer experience that they have when they purchase that particular product. So you need to think in terms of repeat clients. Do you want to start a business that's a one-time sale, like we talked about before, where you're not going to have the possibility of repeat clients? Okay, in my mind, that's not the smartest option because it's a short-run gain. You're getting gain momentarily, temporarily. And then you have to repeat the process and do it all over again. You have to kind of rebuild from square one. But if you get something that's a repeat client or a repeat customer, then you have a sense of recurring income. It's not exactly recurring because you can't count on those being repeat customers. But the better your product and the better the customer experience in purchasing your product, in using your product, in interacting with you as part of the social aspect of your promotion and your interaction with customers, maybe on social media or things like that, the higher the chances are that they will be repeat customers. So there's our first two types of revenue models, the one-time sale, and the second is the repeat customer or repeat client. The third is what I would call a subscription type service. You could also call this a recurring service. Now, you know about this. Most of us have had subscriptions to magazines. So you pay for the magazine and it comes to you repeatedly over a certain course of your subscription. Okay, and a magazine's not really the best example of that because a magazine you usually pay for one time and then it comes to you, say, every month you get a new copy of the magazine. And then at the end of the year, they have to dun you for a new payment to continue your subscription. Okay, so in a sense, you're really only a one-time customer. But because they've set it up in a subscription model, they have the opportunity and they've also built in the expectation of talking to you again about that. And they kind of have your permission because you're already a customer who apparently is enjoying 
the magazine that you're getting. So it's kind of an, a warm lead. They come to you and say, hey, do you want to resubscribe for the magazine? Hope you're enjoying it. If you are, resubscribe. But there are other types of subscriptions that are less that model and are actually more a recurring type of subscription. Some of the things you can think of are like Netflix. Okay, we all know about Netflix. You sign up once for Netflix as the service, but then you pay every month different amounts depending on the level of service that you want. And it's up to you to consume the subscription at your own leisure. But the point is that it's a recurring payment. Now, think that through for a moment. That is a much more stable model for the company, for Netflix, than it is any of those others, you know, the one-time sale or the repeat customer. Because this one, you know you've got a repeat customer until they cancel. And it's set up that way. Some of the genius of this model is setting the expectation up front. And the expectation is that they are going to just keep paying every month. And part of the sell is that it's a small, relatively small monthly payment. So that payment's $10, $15, you know, $25, whatever. Well, those are somewhat what I would call forgettable fees. I mean, how many of us really think about $10 a month? You know, we, we spend more than that, you know, in, in a couple of times at the coffee shop. So, so it's kind of a forgettable fee. And that makes it easier for us to commit to the subscription on the front end. But it's going to be $10 every month. And, you know, $10 every month for 12 months is $120 that Netflix just made off that client in one year. Okay, so $120 times 100 clients, you get the point. They're making a significant amount of income, and it's all recurring through a subscription. So subscription and recurring are not necessarily the same thing, although they can be. Now, one of my businesses, Podcast Fast Track, I just want to tell you the story of how my pricing model came about in that. I started out my Podcast Fast Track business providing podcast editing and production, And then eventually show notes came on the scene later as a tangential offering. But I started out just with like an a la carte sort of a service where the people could purchase episode at a time. Okay. So they say, hey, I've got four episodes I want edited. What do I need to pay you for four episodes? They would pay me and I would do the work or the company would do the work. Well, the problem with that is that my income, the business side was not consistent. That client might have four more episodes for me next month, but they might not. And so it was more of a repeat client or repeat customer sort of a model. And it was up to me to foster the relationship, to pursue that customer in positive ways, ways that they deemed positive and perceived as positive and helpful so that hopefully they would come back and ask for another set of editing or whatever it is that I was doing for them. And I didn't like that at first. It was a lot of work, honestly. I had to uh, dun clients for their payments. I had to send invoices. I had to do all kinds of things. And it wasn't long before I realized, hey, this would work a lot better if I knew the income was coming in. So I switched to a recurring subscription model. So my clients now pay monthly for a set number of episodes of their editing and their show notes. And those payments come in like clockwork. Every single month. The only times I have to deal with payments is if a customer wants to pause their subscription for some reason, say they're going to be out of town for a month. They're not going to be doing any podcast episodes. Well, they're not going to be using the service. They might pause the service. So I don't get that income from that client for that month, but all the rest of my clients are continuing to pay and I'm not having to go chase them down for payments or send invoices to receive the payment. It comes every month on the day of the month that they first initiated the subscription. And it's built into the process that they expect that. And my pricing is not 
a low level pricing like Netflix does. I mean, Netflix, you know, say 15 or 20 bucks a month. My pricing is anywhere from, it all depends on the number of episodes that they're wanting and the number of show notes that they're wanting. But, you know, my average client is 400 something dollars per month that they're paying me. So think it doesn't take many clients at $400 a month to provide a pretty substantial income. And it's all recurring automatically. So my backend work the behind the scenes work of sending invoicing and all that doesn't have to happen. It just happens. I set up a recurring subscription through PayPal. They make their initial payment through PayPal and they know that every month on that date, that same amount is going to be taken from their PayPal account or their credit card or whatever they signed up with. And it's a recurring subscription. Man, I love recurring subscription in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> this is my favorite thing about the way this business is set up. And I'm not telling you this to impress you about my smarts in figuring this out. I didn't figure this out. I heard somebody else talking about it on a podcast just like this. And it made sense to me that for my security, for my financial security, and in terms of the workload, it is much smarter for me to have a subscription model that's a recurring basis. Okay, that way I don't have to worry about that aspect of the business, the billing side of things. I just know it's going to come in. And if a client has an issue where they need to cancel, they contact me and we talk it over. We figure it out together. I have a heads up when that's going to happen. Okay, so that subscription model, that recurring model, think that one through in any business idea. Is there a way you can take the business idea that you have and make it happen on a subscription or recurring basis? I would bet on most things, there is a way to do it. I mean, you see things like subscription boxes or, or subscription gift boxes that you can sign up for. You may not be familiar with this, but there are things like men who don't like picking out clothes. They can take their measurements, send it into certain companies, tell them, this is my size. I want to sign up for your subscription box. And every month that company sends them for a certain amount of money, a new set of clothes that fit them perfectly, that are current with the, n the newest fashion. Can you imagine? I mean, those are things you normally would go in and it's a one-time purchase in a store. But now this is being done online and being done quite successfully. So my point in giving you that example is, I think that most things that you might want to turn into a business can be done on a subscription basis. Even things like graphic design, even things like, you know, podcast production services. I mean, there are things that might have been done in the past on a retainer basis. Well, essentially, you're doing that. You're building in a retainer system, but it's on a recurring subscription. And I've found it's very important to use that verbiage when I refer to it. I call it a recurring subscription because I want my clients to think in terms of, oh, subscription. This is going to happen over and over every month. I'm going to agree to that. And it's kind of like a magazine, you use it or you lose it. In my situation, hours for production or numbers of podcast episodes that we're producing don't carry over to the next month. So if they pay for four a month, but they only do two, well, next month they only get four. It doesn't add up, it doesn't accumulate. And they know that because that's how subscriptions work. And so the verbiage you use when you describe your services is very important. So we've talked about three revenue models, the one-time sale, the repeat client or customer, and the subscription or recurring service. Let's talk about a fourth. This is one that you hear a lot of buzz about on the internet. It's really everybody's dream. 
And it's kind of a misnomer. It's, it can be misleading in the way that you talk about it. And it's passive income. Okay, now passive income. What in the heck is passive income? Sounds like a great deal. Well, passive income really means you've created something that you set in motion with automated systems or something of that nature that enables people to purchase it and they automatically receive that product or that service without you having to be sitting at an email sending it to them every time or, or in a store behind a counter handing it to them every time that they purchase. It's all automated and it happens in a way that you don't have to be babysitting all the time. Now, passive income, the reason it's a misnomer is because passive kind of implies simple or easy. And a lot of people think, oh, I can easily set up a few things and have this passive income stream coming in. Well, that's not true. There's nothing easy about it. Passive income takes a lot of work on the front end to put together something, number one, that's of great enough value that people are willing to talk to you about it and willing to purchase it from you. But secondly, it has to be organized in such a way and systematized with automation, uh, automatic emails. You have to buy monthly services for autoresponders for your email and things of that nature. You know, you have to invest both time and money on the front end to make it work seamlessly and smoothly like it needs to work to truly become passive income. Now, I can give you an example of this in my own situation. I've talked about my pass the safe exam course. And again, I'm not, I'm not bragging here, not trying to impress you. I just want to impress upon you what can happen and that I know about this firsthand. You know, there, there needs to be some legitimacy there that I really know what I'm talking about in this. I have this pass the safe exam study methods course. And it's a course I created as I was studying for a federally mandated test for the mortgage loan industry. And the reason I put together a study methods course for that particular test is because as I was taking the time to study for the test myself, I realized this was the hardest stinking test I've ever taken in my life, <laughs> you know, and I've, and I've got graduate degrees and, and this was harder and it's harder because it's dealing with government regulations that kind of interrelate to each other and overlap each other. And the verbiage is similar, but not exactly the same from one regulation to another. And so it gets confusing trying to keep all these things sorted out. And so as I was studying for the test, I began taking screen capture videos of myself studying for my test. And an idea would come to me of a resource that would be good to help people understand how to study a particular aspect of the course. And so I would jot it down on a notepad or something and, and later on create a video for that. It took me probably four to five to six weeks to put together the video resources alone. Then I had text resources I wanted to create. I had other downloadables. I even had a, a flashcard program that, that is a free program that works incredibly well that I used in my study. And I figured out a way to include that free program with my flashcard deck that I had created to be a part of my study methods course so that people who buy my course can study the way that I studied and passed my test. Okay. Now, that course took a whole lot of work on the front end. But once I got it in place... And once I set up my pricing with a payment gateway that could receive payments and could automatically send out the content to the purchaser once they purchased, once I had all that set up, the only thing I still had to do was learn how to market it, how to get the news out about the course. And I'm not going to go into a belabored discussion of how I did that, but the point is I was able to establish a study methods course that's online right now. You can see it at passthesafeexam.com. And that study methods course 
consistently brings in income to my household, to my business that I am not presently working for. I put in all the work on the front end. Now, there are changes periodically to the regulations that govern the mortgage loan industry that I have to go in and modify my course to keep up with the regulations. But that's very minor. It happens maybe once every two or three years. And the changes I have to make, because mine's a study methods course, not a content-based course, are pretty minimal. And so the course itself continues to sell because there's a high demand for it. There are new people wanting to become loan originators all the time. And I didn't really even realize how big the demand was until my course started selling. And so the course continues to sell without me actively marketing it, without me actively promoting it, without me really doing a lot. And even word of mouth has picked up so that now the course sells from people who have taken the course and passed the test and then tell their coworkers or the new people coming into their office, hey, you should go check out this Pass the Safe Exam Study Methods course. And you see, and it's passive income for me. Now, you may say, well, passive income sounds great, but how significant is it? I mean, are we talking like 15, 20 bucks, 100 bucks a month? What are we talking about? Well, again, I'm not going to say this to impress you. I don't care to impress you. I care to impress upon you what's possible. And the example I'm going to give you is the real life example from my Pass the Safe Exam Study Methods course. And I would tell you this, honestly tell you, my example is on the low end of what can really happen. Okay, so keep that in mind. If you get the right course in the right niche, you have the right expertise to teach it, you can set up an online course that can generate tremendous passive income for you. My particular course sells anywhere between, uh, let me be conservative here, anywhere between $2,500 and $4,500 per month comes in on that course. Now, I could increase that easily by increasing the price of the course. My course is $25, or you can pay what you want above $25. That's how I, I gear it. That's how I promote it. That's part of the appeal of my course is that it's on the inexpensive side. And I say in my promotional materials, the reason it's so inexpensive is not because it's cheap or because it's not worth anything. It's because I can relate to you as a mortgage loan originator want to be with all the fees you have to already pay to become a mortgage loan originator. And I'm not going to gouge you with a high priced course. Now, could I raise the price on the course? Could I make it 125 bucks? Absolutely. It could be 150 bucks probably. And there would still be people buying it, but that's not the business model I've chosen. I want to be generous in my approach, but at the same time, set it up so that it can passively generate income for me. And like I said, to the tune of 2,500 to 4,500 per month is still coming in from that course. And I don't have to do much with it at all. That's passive income. So understand the difference between easy income, which there is no such thing, and passive income. Okay, passive income requires a lot of investment on the front end in terms of time and in terms of money. So when you think about the business you want to start, the kinds of things you want to put out there to add value to the world, truly add value to the world, and generate significant income for yourself. Is there some way you can set it up in a passive income revenue model? I would bet you, I don't know percentages, I'm just guessing here, but say 60% of the ideas out there that are services or something you study or something you learn can be set up in that way. Now, the issue on the model I'm using where it's a course is that once you study for this test and once you pass this test, you don't need my course again. 
Okay. So it is a one-time purchase like that first revenue model we talked about, but because the demand for the study methods course is so high, the recurring revenue part in the passive sense continues to happen. Now, there could be changes to the industry, the mortgage loan industry that affect my course in such a way that people no longer need it or no longer want it. I can't predict that and I don't foresee it happening, but it could happen. And at that time, my passive income would stop. So you have to understand that there are variables in this that are outside your control. But if you can set up your business where it can generate income passively, what that does for me is it allows me a significant solid base of income from which I can then get creative with other business ideas like the podcast business, like some some other things like Live, Build, Change. I mean, Live, Build, Change is bringing in absolutely no income for me at the time I'm recording this, but it's a passion on my heart. It's something I want to do to give to the world and to help believers in Christ establish income that can help them change their world. And so the passive income of that safe exam course enables me to do that in part. So you see, passive income has a lot of different benefits to it besides just the fact that you don't have to sit at a desk and respond to people all day. Okay. So that's our fourth type of revenue. There's, there's four we've covered so far, the one-time sale, the repeat clients or customers, the subscription or recurring basis, and the passive income. Now there's one other that I'm going to bring up and it's a one-time sort of thing, but it's on a much larger scale. So I'm going to bring it up as a different type of revenue, but it's really just a one-time sale again. And that's where you're doing some kind of speaking or consulting or present presentation of some sort. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who are experts in their field and they do keynote addresses at conferences or at a business's employee rally every year. And these people who do this kind of speaking can get anywhere from $2,000 per speaking gig to $10,000 per speaking gig, depending on how good they are, on their track record, on their expertise, on the field that they're speaking in. I mean, there's all kinds of things that determine the amount of money they get that they can actually ask for and receive for speaking or for presenting or for consulting. But I'm here to tell you, it's a very viable way of doing it. I've known of a lot of people who are making tons of money in the speaking circuit and have actually resigned from that. I mean, you know, they've stepped away from that amount of money because of the amount of time they have to be away from family. So there's personal values that go into this one as well. You've got to think through, yeah, I want to be a speaker. It sounds glamorous. I think I could do a good job at it. And I have a good deal of experience to add to the niche that I want to speak to. But how's that going to affect the other things in your life that are important, like time with family and like lifestyle? Being on the road all the time and the temptations that come with that, whether they're sexual in nature or dietary in nature or whatever, you know, you need to wisely consider all these things as a follower of Christ and take it to the Lord in prayer. And that's really how I want to wrap up this episode is by encouraging you with this. I've just given you five revenue models, the ways that I see it. And you may see a couple in there. I mean, for me, I look at the, re- the recurring subscription and the passive income, and to me, that's no-brainers. Of course, I want my businesses to be those kind. But that's not the be-all, end-all of the decision. I need to take these ideas to the Lord in prayer. I need to seek Him for the sense of what I should be doing. There may be a one-time sale business He wants me involved in. And keep this in mind that as a follower of Christ, your business model that you choose, your revenue model, 
is not always going to be about the amount of revenue that you bring in or the ease with which you bring in the revenue. Your revenue model may be something the Lord dictates to you or puts on your heart, like a one-time sale, for a reason that has nothing to do with the revenue. For example, through that particular niche of products that you're selling, maybe it is a one-time sale model, but the Lord knows that the people you're going to come into contact with are people he wants you to be in contact with so that your faith can be a witness to them in some way, so that you'll have opportunity to have conversation with them about things that get deep into life. One of the areas that I can think of in this is, is like financial advisors. I know of people who are financial advisors, and theirs is generally a consultant type of thing where you pay for their services as you use them. But they're talking about life issues like lifestyle in retirement and where you're going to put your money and the things that are important to you and what you can do to leverage your finances to achieve those things. I mean, those are deeper issues than just a surfacey conversation you would have with a guy who comes to fix your flat tire, you know? And so those kinds of relationships may be a one-time sale, but there's the opportunity and not only opportunity, but potential for some very deep life conversations where the Lord may want you in that context to be able to speak into people's lives on a deeper level where you could introduce issues of faith and they would ask your opinion about things where you're able to freely speak about your faith. And you see, revenue models are great and it's great and wise and and I think pertinent to think through these five business revenue models before you get into a business. But those are not the bottom line. The bottom line as a follower of Christ is which of these five does the Lord want you to be doing in your business? And even asking the question, maybe there's one outside these five that he wants you to do that I haven't even thought of. You know, I'm not a genius in all this stuff. I'm just observing and telling you what I've seen and experienced. So I would love to have your feedback about this. I'm going to post this episode in the Facebook community, the Live, Build, Change Facebook community, and it's at livebuildchange.com slash FB. If you're not a member, you can go there. It'll take you right to our Facebook community. You can request to be admitted. It'll take about 24 hours probably. You'll be admitted, and you can comment on the post where I've posted this podcast episode. And I want to hear from you. What do you think about these revenue models? Which ones make the most sense to you? Are there some that you're doing right now? And if you're brand new to this whole build a business on the side thing or this online business thing, you may have questions about some of these revenue models and how you go about getting started. I'd be happy to field your questions there. And I know there are others in the Live, Build, Change community that would love that as well. So feel free to go to livebuildchange.com slash FB and leave your questions after you get into the community. I would love to have conversation around this topic. And one other thing, if you're subscribed to the Live, Build, Change podcast, which I would entirely encourage you to do. It not only helps us rank higher in the iTunes search rankings, but it also gets the information to you the minute that I publish it. But if you're subscribed, you know, I also do the morning mindset edition of the Live, Build, Change podcast. It's a five minute daily shot in the soul to encourage you in getting your mind aligned with the truth of God. Hey, I like that. That rhymes your mind aligned with the truth of God. And it's, it's an opportunity for you to start the day right, getting your thoughts where they need to be so that your entire day can go much more along the line of what God wants you to do. So if you're not subscribed, that's an added perk is that daily five-minute mindset edition that comes every single morning in between these weekly episodes. So I encourage you to do that.
Hey, thank you for listening to Live, Build, Change. I know that you have many options when it comes to podcasts to listen to, and I'm so thankful that you've chosen Live, Build, Change. Please reach out to me if you have questions, comments, concerns, you have something you want to bounce off of me. My email address is there for you. It's carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at livebuildchange.com. And I actually answer my own email. Go figure. I would love to interact with you. So that's it for this episode. Live, build, change. Go out and live your faith, build a business, and change your world.